Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I take the food and wine part of this radio show's name very seriously, just so you know. Ever since I started this show 17 years ago, it has been my goal and my mission to create food conversation that fits your life. So this show is an easy way to get your quick fix of culinary entertainment. It is a food-focused lifestyle show where every weekend we obsess over what to eat and drink. I also cover, in addition to food and wine and cocktails, travel, health, the environment, trends, and more, and I'm all about living the best life. So stay tuned and let me feed your soul. I'm always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com. My podcasts are posted on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen, and you can find my daily dish on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I think we should talk seasonally for the start of this show for just a moment. How about you? Okay, we get oysters from Maine, and Maryland gives us maple syrup, and Delaware delivers mushrooms. And in my home state, here in sunny California, we are graced with Meyer lemons. So we win. (laughs) The Meyer lemon is a prized find and much more readily available than ever before. So when you get your hands on some of this sweet tart variety, uh, I think you should make the best of it. And it is Meyer lemon season and they are sweet and luscious. So I thought that I would share some inspiration for the lovely lemon because what better way to welcome spring than with the lovely lemon in all of its glory. Alice Waters at Chez Panisse back in the 1970s made the Meyer lemon her prized ingredient, but the fruit was actually discovered in China, uh, the home of many fine citrus fruits, in fact, and it was brought to the U.S. by a Department of Agriculture plant breeder named Frank Meyer, and it was a wildly popular backyard fruit in the 1920s. But now is the perfect time to revel in them. And as the harvest peaks and the farmer farmer's market stalls and the produce aisles, and if you're lucky, if you have a backyard tree, um, are all loaded with fruit, um, I thought you might want to know more about the Meyer lemon. It is a cross between a lemon and a sweet orange imported to the U.S. from China, as I mentioned, over 100 years ago. And by the way, the Meyer lemon is in my opinion, furiously addictive. It looks different than a traditional Eureka lemon. It's rounder. It has a a rounder edge on both sides, in fact, without that pronounced point at the blossom end that other lemons have. And it has a golden orange peel that is thinner and more delicate with a very soft, supple texture. And Meyer lemons are noticeably juicier. But most importantly, it's all about the taste. Meyer lemons are sweeter and less acidic than other lemons. So if you tend to have a slightly less acidic palate, 
Well, they offer that bright flavor without the pucker. And that's why I love them. And back in my restaurant days, the chefs that I worked for always loved Meyer lemons. I tell a story about having an opportunity to stage or um, learn from the great chef Charlie Palmer, and he loves them too. And when he stands, or the experience I had, when he stood at the line where all of those delicious dishes in his glory of restaurants come out of or from in the kitchen, he would add a drop of Meyer lemon juice, just a, a single drop, to most of the dishes. It added that, as the French say, je ne sais quoi. Once you bit into whatever it was, that bite of uh, beautiful fish or the pasta dish, there was a freshness to it that you couldn't put your finger on. But it was his sort of secret ingredient that he kept in his arsenal. Um, And from what I understand, he still does it today. I saw him a couple of years ago at Pigs and Pinot, his big piggy event. And I asked him, Chef, do do you still do the drop a lemon trick? And he put his finger up to his mouth and said, shh, don't tell. And so I've ruined that, uh, but I know that he would be proud. Uh, The juice and the peel of a Meyer lemon is beautifully floral and it's sweet. And so you want to use the entire lemon. You can actually dry the peel and grind it in your spice grinder and then you can savor the season. You could squeeze the juice and freeze it in ice cube molds so that you always have it on hand. And when it comes to storing Meyer lemons, because the peel is thinner and more delicate, you want to keep them refrigerated. They don't have the same shelf life that a Eureka lemon does, say, left on the counter. I put them in a plastic bag and I keep them in the fridge and they'll last a good amount of time. Now, if you happen to have a Meyer lemon tree and you have them in abundance, then you make lemonade and you could freeze that too. Um, Or you call me because I want to share your bounty. And then since the lemon is a workhorse, there are lots of practical applications that you can use it for as well. Yes, of course, you squeeze it over sautéed fillets of your favorite fish or especially over fried fish. I love a Meyer lemon. So good. I actually like to caramelize the lemons that I use for squeezing over a dish by cutting a lemon in half and placing it cut side down in a hot saute pan. I do this on the grill during the summer season as well. The cut side turns golden and it gets a little bit of caramelization and the flavor is paramount that way. You get a little smokiness, um, a burst of flavor offset with the tart bite. And, oh, I don't know. It's just so delicious. You could always zest the lemons before you juice them and then add that chopped zest to a compound butter or on top of your yogurt or berries for breakfast or dessert. And then Meyer lemons are especially wonderful at keeping apples or avocados from browning. Um, They're beautiful as an addition to the fruit salad that we all love. Um, How about roasting a chicken with Meyer lemon? Oh, yes. Or fish on a bed of Meyer lemon slices and fennel for fabulous flavor. And then what do you do with the lemons when you're done zesting and squeezing them? Well, with those rinds, You use the spent skins of any juiced lemon to help degrease pans or clean your cutting boards, the wooden ones, or your countertops. Oh, yes, they have so many uses, and I hope that you will put them to good use. So now you know, Meyer lemons are exceptional this season, 
and cheers to them. I make a, a luscious lemon curd that is made extra special from Meyer Lemons, and I will gladly share the recipe and a tutorial on curd because spring is curd season, don't you think? And if you email me, Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com, I will gladly send you the recipe and tips. And so it's time for food news now. This is some news you could use, and it makes great dinner party conversation. If you loved Sunny D as a kid, you're really going to love this adult version as a canned hard seltzer. You heard it right. Of course, hard seltzers and all the best in a can certainly elevated over the years. But I will say this Sunny D vodka seltzer, it's pretty amazing. It has a bold orange flavor. It's sold in a slim 12-ounce can. It's low in alcohol and it tastes just like that tangy orange drink developed in 1963. It's full of fabulous flavor And I think you'll find it at your local supermarket. So give it a try. Sunny D Vodka Seltzer, available now. Quench your your thirst, rather, with nostalgia. And coming up, do you love Thai food as much as I do? Well, Pai Lin Chong Chit Nun, she's your gal. Her second cookbook just released, and we are celebrating Thai food every day at home, and she is a wealth of knowledge. So don't miss it. We're digging in deep to Thai cuisine right after the break. I'm Chef Jamie Wen, and there's lots more fabulous food and insightful commentary right after this. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, going way beyond mere eating and drinking. We're on a mission to find the most exciting experiences and dishes and emerging trends. So get ready because this next conversation is going to satiate your palate, no doubt. Pai Lin Chong Chit Nun's second cookbook has just released, and Thai food lovers everywhere are celebrating. She is the YouTube sensation that you know and love with social media followers around the world, and very much loved for her incredible warmth, for her talent, and for her innate ability to teach simple Thai dishes for your kitchen. She is here to dish on 100 simple Thai recipes for every day of the week, I like to say. And I personally cannot wait to cook through her entire book. You know her and love her on social and on the web at Hot Thai Kitchen. 
and she is a best-selling author back with more. She has not yet graced this show in the many years that I have had the privilege of sharing fabulous food, and so I am delighted. Her new book entitled Sabai is on its way to bestseller, and so you heard it here first. Pailin is live with us, and I'm so glad to have you. A pleasure to meet you, Pailin. Well, likewise. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. And thank you for being here. And congratulations. The first thing I will tell you I felt from your book before I even opened it is that the wealth of knowledge packed between these pages is not only grand, but full of love. And when I started reading page after page, this is just such a glorious education from the heart. So kudos to you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's always been a passion of mine to teach Thai cooking beyond the recipes. Mm. Because really, if you just know recipes, then you can only make those things. But if you understand the cuisine further, you can make more, you can make your own dishes, you can make, you know, modifications. I mean, it's such a useful thing to know all the basics and the foundation. So that's why I really, really pack it in with that stuff. And it comes through so much. It really does. I think we have to start at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. What does sabai mean for those that don't know? Because it has a really beautiful, deeply rooted connection to what you do. Yes. Yeah, so sabai in Thai means being at ease, comfortable, relaxed. I mean, it's a word that's really a way of life for Thai people. We say it all the time. And that's sort of the spirit of the recipes in this book, is I want you to be able to cook Thai food, sabai, sabai, as the saying goes. Because I think for a lot of people, they approach Thai cooking with a bit of intimidation, a bit of, you know, I'm not really sure what to do, and it feels like a big, complex thing. But really, if you have the right tools and the right resources, you can do this easy peasy on a weeknight. Yes. And I love that. By the way, I love a word that's repeated. It has to be good if you say it twice. And as I read, (laughs) as I read through the beginning of the book, Sabai Sabai, I thought to myself, this is just a really good word, right? And you, you you know, it has yeah great meaning. Um, Mm -hmm. I love that you've made Thai doable and less intimidating for those of us like me I'm in love with Asian cuisine, but there is no doubt a mindset that it's far easier to make orange chicken than it is to recreate your favorite Cantonese, right? Your favorite Thai dish from your favorite Thai restaurant and your work on YouTube for so many years, the superstar that you are, and this second cookbook to top your first really proves that Thai food is doable and wonderful at home. So if someone is curious about Thai cuisine, where do they start? So in terms of dishes, I definitely recommend soups and curries as a place to start because those things you can take your time, right? You don't have to turn a walk on and try to finish everything in five minutes you know, stir fries are a little bit challenging, but with soups and curries, it's going to simmer. It's going to take time. So you have time to, to sort of, you know, read the instructions through properly. And then the other thing that I will recommend is maybe don't jump straight into a recipe yet, but read through the ingredient section of my book first, because I think 80% of the hurdle that people feel about cooking a new cuisine is them not knowing about the ingredients. 
Mm-hmm. So if you take some time to get to know some of the basic ingredients, when you finally go approach a recipe, it will feel so much more doable. Oh, and I think that is so smart. So I will tell you, I am certainly not at all an expert in Thai cuisine, although I can eat it expertly. I've attempted, (laughs) I'm very good at that. I've um, attempted a couple of Thai dishes at home, but I've done in my chef's life what you Mm -hmm. just explained. So I, uh, I learned a love, I guess you could say, for Thai fish sauce. Mm-hmm. A long time ago, because someone told me to use, use it as a substitute for uh, anchovies. And mm-hmm. so now this fish sauce makes it its way into French dishes that I make. And just the, the most maybe uh, very different or great dichotomy of dishes that you wouldn't expect it to be in. But I fell in love with it. And that's what you're saying, to find those pantry staples those unique yes. Thai ingredients and weave them into mm-hmm. what you do so that you're well associated with them. What are those pantry yes. staples? What must we have? So for Thai cooking, fish sauce, as you mentioned, is yes. number one. Uh. Um, if you are vegetarian, then soy sauce will be your number one. Okay. If you're not vegetarian, you want fish sauce and soy sauce because they both uh, taste very different and, and serve different purposes. And then the other thing that I would have is coconut milk. It lasts forever in your, in your pantry, and it's super, super useful. Thai cuisine is a dairy-free cuisine, yes. and anything creamy comes from coconut milk. And do you buy the and can, the, sorry to interrupt you, you buy the can that's rich with the cream at the top? So you can do that, but my favorite is actually the UHT paper carton coconut milk. Ah, and good I to do know. get into a, details of this, and it's been something I recommend for years, is the processing between cans and paper carton coconut milk are different. And long story short, the canned version goes through a more intense heat treatment, and the flavor gets a little bit worse. So with the carton, the flavor is closer to fresh coconut milk. If you were to to do a taste of side-by-side, you will see exactly what I mean. So if you can get um, paper carton coconut milk, they're becoming more available now. Um, Aroidi is the brand that I use. It will be the best option. And I did read in your book that you are to buy the coconut milk in the Thai section of your grocery store or at a specialty market. If you're looking at coconut milk in the beverage section, you say you are in the wrong place. Yes. Okay. Yes. And the invention of coconut milk, quote unquote, that you use in lattes has caused a lot of confusion for Thai food. Oh, I I suspect so, no doubt. I never thought of that. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I'm so glad you're listening. We're back and we're dishing. Chef Jamie Gwen here. 
uh, chilies, chili paste. What is yes. the first jar you reach for? So,、uh, are you talking about curry paste?、Uh, or anything to add heat? I, I, I、okay. will tell you, it always amazes me, and I love spice, but I prefer balance. It amazes、mm-hmm. me the chili heads we have in the US、yes. and ever growing. And so I would be、mm-hmm. remiss if I didn't ask you, oh, great Thai chef, what is your best way to spice it up? Okay. So there are a couple of ways. If you want to just add straight heat to an existing dish, there are a couple of ways to do it. You can use chopped up Thai chilies, which I think are available at any store in、yes. North America these、yes. days. You can.、Um, Finely mint it, or you can crush it and let it infuse gently. There are many ways to go about it. Or the more versatile thing is to get Thai chili flakes, which are dried chilies that have been toasted until smoky and then ground up. And you can do this at home.、Um, I like to do it at home because I know that the chilies are fresh and not old. And then that you can throw into anything to add straight up heat. Fabulous. Now, you asked about chili paste. In Thai cuisine, we have a Thai chili paste or、uh, roasted Thai chili paste. That is actually very mild and it's more of a sweet, savory umami paste made with lots of garlic, shallots, and、mm. dried shrimp. And we incorporate that into various dishes, but it in and of itself isn't all that spicy. No, but it's、um, yummy. It's yummy. Like you would equate it、yes. to the trend that's continuing here. Uh, for, for chili garlic crisp, right? Everybody's kind of addicted、mm-hmm. to chili garlic、yes. crisp. But the Thai version, which I know is, I think it's better. It does have everything you talked about. It has the sweet, the salty,、um, the umami from the shrimp, right?、Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's,、yes. it's absolutely delicious.、Mm-hmm. And if you put that on a burger bun as a spread, <gasps> oh, you have to try it. it oh, is yes.、So、oh, yes.、Yeah. Okay, okay, dinner tonight. <laughs> I'm not waiting on that one.、Um, if you've、yeah. just tuned in, you're late. Pailin Chong Chit Nun is here. Her second cookbook has just released. It is entitled Sabai. That is the word that translates to ease or comfort. And that is exactly what Pailin's mission has been and continues to be. As the YouTube sensation who has taught the world to cook Thai at home, This book is on its way to bestseller, and you will want to grab your copy now. She's sharing 100 simple Thai recipes for any day of the week, as she says. I say every day of the week. So fill your Thai <laughs> pantry and let's get cooking.、Uh, Pailin, I think, and as you allude to in the book, there, there really is nothing more important to the Thai people when it comes to sitting down at a meal. Of course, delicious dishes. But as importantly, or more importantly, rice as a staple, right? I mean, rice has its own dedicated chapter in your book. And I feel like we should start there before we dig into the recipes. Yes. So most Thai dishes are eaten with rice. So stir fries,、uh, curries, that includes salads, even soups. Everything is served with rice. And I always say rice. For Thai people, it's not a side dish.、No. It is the foundation. Yes. Meaning, you don't treat it like a mashed potato where it sort of <laughs> goes on the side and you can eat, eat it on its own along with your steak. No, every bite of food that you take has rice in it. Rice is the canvas, is the other analogy that I like to make for all of the dishes that you eat. 
and you say that it's the heart of the meal, but rice comes yeah. in many different forms in Thai culture. It comes mm-hmm. in a traditional, perfect, like fluffy jasmine rice. You teach mm-hmm. us how to make sticky rice. And then yes. there's also a much beloved porridge. Yes. All three yes. equal, equal weight when it comes to popularity. So in Thailand, the jasmine rice is the the most popular, the most commonly eaten one. Okay. The so that's the one. If you were to learn how to cook one thing, that is the one rice you learn how to cook jasmine rice. And I go through detailed instructions on how to make perfect rice in the book. Mm. Now, the sticky rice is something that's eat more, eaten more in the northeast and the northern part of Thailand, but it goes so well with barbecued meats and grilled meats because. Mm. It's chewier and yes. heavier, and it, it pairs really well with meat, right? Lovely. And then porridge is on the opposite end. It's much lighter because it's got water mixed in, so it's not quite as heavy. And so we love to eat that for breakfast ah. um, alongside with the, some salads or some omelet or something like that because it's really quite a light way to have rice in the morning. I love that. As long as we can have eggs and herb salad with it. So mm-hmm. I, I have selfishly, as my listeners know, and I do this with every cookbook that graces my desk, and, and I, it's, it's a good life, let me tell you. I love it. <laughs> uh, I mark every page of every recipe that I can't wait to make. And then I start at the beginning of great mm-hmm. cookbooks like yours, and I weave through all of my first found recipes. And your eggs and herb salad is... I think how we should elevate our Easter this year because this is better than a deviled egg. It's not a salad per se. It's a a Thai. Can I call it a Thai deviled egg without offending you? Oh, for sure. I think that's how I've described it in the past. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, move over deviled egg. I can't wait to make these. Mm -hmm. Tell us about it. Yeah. So it's, um, Basically, you take boiled eggs. My preference is medium boiled, so the yolk's sort of moist but not runny. Yes. And then you make an, a herb salad, which is um, shallots and lemongrass and cilantro and mint, and you can change up the herbs according to what you have. But the dressing is the classic Thai dressing that's made with fish sauce, lime juice, sugar, and chilies. Most Thai salads use these ingredients in the dressing and what you get is sweet salty sour and spicy and that tops the egg Mm. and i'm telling you Mm. like there is no better way to eat boiled eggs than topping it with this herb salad okay that makes that makes me salivate it does that that (laughs) makes my mouth water like i can't wait to taste it and i wonder if this mixture this herb salad is something you could keep in the fridge and i could top my boiled egg tomorrow with? Will it hold? Yes. Yes, good. Yeah, it'll hold definitely for a couple of days. Um, so it's something that if you want to make in advance, yes. you can. If you're going to make in advance and you care about the herbs looking fresh and nice, I would separate uh, the dressing from the herbs and then mix it right before you top the egg. So that way all the, everything is nice and bouncy. Yeah, very smart. I'll tell you that that Thai dressing you speak out as the quintessential Thai dressing is everything you said. It's sweet, sour, salty, spicy. It's also mm-hmm. addictive because yeah. at my favorite Thai restaurant where I live, I can't get enough. Like I'm the one scraping the ramekin of the last drop <laughs> of the dressing because yeah. it's craveable. 
It is. And, and mm-hmm. I attribute that to the fish sauce. There is something so, you, you can't put your finger on it, but you must have more about it. Mm-hmm. And yes. so mark my word that I will keep that, that mixture in my fridge and, and I'll say a thank you to you from far away when I'm using it <laughs> the next day. Uh, tomato coconut Boy. salsa. I can't wait yes. to put that on the table too. I'm a coconut lover, uh, but mm-hmm. that is just, that's beautiful and fresh and, oh yes. Yes. So the idea came to me, I was going to a party where, you know, the, my friend just said, just bring like some chips and salsa. And I felt like, <laughs> come on, like how many times have you had chips and salsa at a party? Let's right. bring something different. So I thought, hmm, the pico de gallo has sort of a similar flavor profile as a Thai salad. It's sort of tart and spicy and salty. Let me try to Thaiify that a little bit mm. uh, with fish sauce, with coconut milk, mm. and with some Thai chili paste. Mm. And it just turned out so well, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and it became just the star of that party. And I thought, this is a keeper. Oh, for sure. I hope you make it all the time because I plan to. That's the title mm-hmm. of your third cookbook, Pailin. You just said it, Thaiify. <laughs> yes. yes, you're just going to tieify the whole world. And I love that. Yes. I, I love yes. that you've tieified so many of us uh, already on her way to 150,000 fans on Instagram itself and a YouTube sensation. You have to get this book called Sabai. Grab a snack and come on back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I'm so glad you're listening. We're back and we're dishing. Okay, I have a thing for Chinese sausage. How did you know, Pailin? I don't know how you knew, but do you know that's the first thing I go to in an Asian market? I keep it in the pantry, and I'll tell you why. I use it as the base when I go to make fried rice. Because when I make fried rice, I'm always using things up. Because I have like a little chicken left or there's nothing to eat. And so I make something from nothing. But the Chinese sausage is like my go-to. It's my fallback. I always have it. It lasts forever. And it adds Mm -hmm. such fabulous flavor. And then I got to page 56 in your book and I really fell in love with you. I thought, why am I not making Pailin's Chinese sausage salad? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this. So this is going to, if you love Chinese salad. Chinese sausage to start, this is going to blow you away because Chinese sausage is sort of sweet and salty and quite rich and dense, right? So when you mix it with celery and that same dressing I mentioned before, as in the egg salad, it's Uh. tart, it's bright, it's Mm. spicy. The contrast that's going on is out of this world. And I think people are going to come across this recipe and think, oh, that's a little... Odd. That's interesting. Like, it's not something people think to do with Chinese sauces, but this is something we serve a lot with the rice porridge for breakfast. Oh, you and do. the creaminess of the rice and all the textures and the flavors going on in the salad. I mean, it's just 
beautiful. You have crunch from the veg, you have chew from mm-hmm. the sausage, you have the mm-hmm. lovely comforting roundness of the rice. I totally get that. Like I, mm-hmm. I would very happily eat that. Uh, yes. Now, I, I feel like I should invite you back. I mean, I'd love to have you back. You have an open invitation, but I feel like curry is its own conversation and yes. that we could dig deeper if you're so willing to come mm-hmm. back and talk curry, but just touch on it if you would. The quick yellow curry with beef in the book, you say is doable. It doesn't require simmering for hours. It's a weeknight meal. And I think we have to really change our mindset to embrace that. Yes. So when people think beef curry, they're, in, they're envisioning these chunks of beef that take three hours to right. simmer, right? So when I worked in a Thai restaurant, there was a, a, a place that, thinly slice their beef as if it were a stir-fry, and then that only takes 20, 25 minutes to tenderize. And I thought, who said, who said beef and curry has to be chunky? Why don't we just thinly slice it? You create more surface area for flavors. You save yourself a ton of time. And then it turns this project into something you can pull off on a weeknight. Yeah, so smart. Okay, we're, we'll mm-hmm. talk more about quick yellow curry. You'll come back, please, mm-hmm. please, please, please. Uh, Oh, of course. Okay, good. Thank you. Talk three flavor fish, if you would, because when I read the introduction, you say it's really simple to make, but it will make you a hero. This is the perfect dinner party dish. Oh, look, I've made Thai food. How impressive. Yes. And it's a, it's a thing that plates nicely. And that's what I always look for when I do a dinner party, right? Something that looks beautiful, but really it was simple. So three flavor fish. The three flavors are sweet, salty, and sour, which comes from palm sugar, tamarind, and fish sauce. And it's a really simple sauce that uses those ingredients. And all you do is pan fry the fish. It can be any kind of flaky white fish. And then you make the sauce and you put the sauce on the fish and you're done. There is so much knowledge and empowerment and love in this second book of yours um, that I, I really can't, I, I can't even verbalize it enough. Um, I, I know this was a labor of love for you and it comes through. So congratulations. This is well-deserved de- success, Pailin. It you. really Thank is. Thank you so much. Yeah, very much so. Um, you know Pailin Chong Chit Nun. You know that she has shared Thai food on YouTube and become a sensation well-deserved. And whether you're familiar with Thai cuisine or not, if you want to step out and master a Thai dish, to feel empowered, as I said, to make Thai food part of your everyday routine, you must add her new cookbook, Sabai, to your collection. Sabai, S-A-B-A-I. Sabai, Sabai, as the saying goes for ease, for comfort. Uh, Pailin takes you through every recipe in the book. Her signature level of detail and warmth and encouragement is there. There are shortcuts and tips and tricks to get dinner on the table and something even more fabulous. There are QR codes throughout the book that link you to the YouTube video that applies to the recipe. So you have support every step of the way. Um, This is really the book of 2023 and I don't want you to miss it. It is written by Pailin Chong Chit Nun, and it is entitled Sabai. You can follow her culinary escapades and learn more, of course, at Hot Thai Kitchen, 
H-O-T-T-H-A-I kitchen.com, Hot Thai Kitchen, and follow on social under the same name. Pylin, you already said you would come back, so I'm going to hold you to your promise because I, yes. I would like to take a deeper dive into curry. And so um, we'll schedule offline, and I can't wait to have you back on the radio, but I thank you so much for sharing your passion. Thank you for having me. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of truly great taste. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation for the week. Spring is just starting, but the berries are already so sweet. And this past week, I bought the most delicious blackberries, and I can't seem to get enough of them. So whether you have fresh berries or even frozen, you can usher in spring with my two-ingredient blackberry frozen yogurt in a flash, as I like to call it. It is instant gratification. And you will need frozen berries for this recipe. So I suggest you buy a bevy of them, the fresh ones at the farmer's market, and you lay them out. Could be blackberry, raspberry, even blueberry. Lay them out in a single layer on a cookie sheet and throw the cookie sheet in the freezer. We call this IQF or individually quick frozen so they don't stick together. Then you throw them in a bag and you keep them on hand in the freezer, but they're at the peak of the sweet season. I use Greek yogurt in this recipe, and it turns out sweet, tart, and insanely creamy. So for my two-ingredient blackberry frozen yogurt in a flash, you will need three cups of frozen blackberries, one cup of vanilla-flavored Greek yogurt, and then a, a couple of additions if you like. All you do is combine the frozen berries and the vanilla Greek yogurt in your food processor and you process it until it's creamy. It takes a few minutes. You can add a little bit of honey, a bit of sugar, maybe some lime or lemon zest for extra flavor. And there you have it, frozen yogurt in a flash. I will post the recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen, and I will meet you here next weekend where I promise there is lots more scintillating and scrumptious conversation in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. Well.